In today's episode of Comments Over Coffee, we're talking about where to add cards in your videos so you don't hurt your video performance and hiring video editors. So grab your cup tumbler mug because we're starting right now. Welcome to Comments Over Coffee, where you'll learn how to get better at YouTube and online video over a cup of coffee. Pour a cup for your host, Nick Nimmin. If this is your first time here, I want to let you know that all of the comments from this show are from my YouTube comments and other YouTube communities online. To submit your comment, head over to commentsovercoffee.com. Our first comment is from the Good Nerds family. And the Good Nerds family says, I learned something new today in your video. I was adding my tags at the first two minutes of my videos. I was not aware that it was hurting me. Thank you, like always, for the great information. Thank you for the comment, the Good Nerds family. So... What they're talking about here is they're saying adding tags at the first two minutes of the video, but what they mean in this situation, because it's from my watch time tips video, what they actually mean here in this situation is YouTube cards. And what cards are, if you're not familiar with the terminology, YouTube cards are basically when you are watching a YouTube video, there's a little icon, it's a little circle that pops up in the top right hand corner of the video that you're watching. And that little circle has a little eye in it. Uh, It's a little info card. And then basically what happens is that info card expands and then it will have a title to another video or it'll be a teaser that the creator put in there to try to entice you to click on that card so that you will go over to another video. So the reference from the Good Nerds family here is basically what they were doing is they were putting these cards early in the video where YouTube recommends that the cards go in the last 20% of your video. That's straight from the YouTube Creator Academy. They say verbatim, put cards in the last 20% of your video. And the reason for this, they don't say that the reason, but the reason for this is because if somebody's watching your video, let's say that you are getting great audience retention on your video. People are loving your video. They're like, wow, this is amazing. I love this creator's video. This is great. But they're watching your video and they're like, wow, this is, I'm loving it. But then they have this little thing that pops up two minutes in out of your 10 minute video. And people are like, wow, this is really intriguing. I'm going to go watch that video. What you just did is you basically just hurt the retention on the video that they're watching now so that you could send them to another video. Now, with that said, of course, you know, YouTube also says that if people go deeper into the platform from the video, that the video that they're watching is more likely to get promoted elsewhere on the platform. However, you do not want to work against yourself (laughs) in this situation. You do not want to put cards where people are going to leave your video unless you do it in a strategic manner. So here's what I mean. Like I said, YouTube recommends that you put the cards in the last 20% of your video. So you want to reserve your card usage for that last 20%. However, if you are post-optimizing your video, and what that means if you're not familiar with the lingo, post-optimizing your video means that after your video is published, after your video has been online for a little bit, you go back and you make adjustments to your video. You go in and you start testing your thumbnail. Let's say you go in and you update your title. Let's say you add additional tags or you update your description based on, you know, trying to make it rank better or trying to get better relevance. Or let's say you just forgot to put a link in there or something like that. Or you just have some extra things that you want to add to the description. Whatever it is, it's basically when you go from a fresh video to going in and optimizing it again later on down the road to help the performance of the video or just to update the video in general. So When you are post-optimizing your video, one thing that you can do in this particular situation is that if you do have a video to where the retention just sucks on the video, let's say people are leaving at the two-minute mark because you said something that made a majority of the viewers think 
that the video is over. So because of that, they just leave an exodus. Hardly anybody completes the video. So you're not, not even getting that extra watch time from the stragglers, right? Because everybody's leaving because they think the video is over. So in that case, what you want to do is you can actually take the cards and you can move that card or add a card to just a few seconds before that drop-off point or whatever it is that you did to make people leave. Add a card before that so when people are coming into that particular video and they are watching that, if your analytics, your audience retention reports show that most people are leaving at a particular point, then if you add one of those cards, then what you can do is it's kind of just a way to try to save some people and send them to another piece of your content before they get distracted and go elsewhere. That's kind of the idea. So what you want to do again is add that to the last 20% of your video. And then of course, when you're post optimizing your videos, that's when you want to go in and you want to add that card a little bit earlier in the event that people are leaving at a particular point. Now, if they are not leaving at a particular point, if you go in and you're like, hey, wait a minute, people aren't leaving in mass. People aren't just going to another video or just leaving this particular video. It's just not happening in mass. So in that case, you have to look at it and say, I'm not going to put a card up there because there's no reason to put a card up there because I'm not trying to save the video. I'm not trying to, you know, grab a hold of that viewer, grab their attention or whatever it happens to be. You just want to let them enjoy the video. Now, before we move on to our next comment, a quick word from our sponsor. TuberTools.com has professionally designed thumbnail templates, graphics that remind your viewers to subscribe to your channel, end screen graphics, channel art, motion transitions, and more to help you level up your presence on YouTube. Save 20% on your membership by going to TuberTools.com forward slash coffee or using the promo code coffee if you make a purchase from our store. Get everything you need for your YouTube channel at TuberTools.com. Okay, this next question is from M. Ma. M. Ma says, hi, just checking out your channel. I saw that you mentioned that you use Vegas and your editor uses Premiere. How common is it that a YouTuber can afford to employ an editor? Also, what is the fastest way to acquire some editing skills? So thank you for your comment, M. Ma. And to answer your question, how common is it for a YouTuber to be able to afford an editor? So here's the thing. In my particular case, I've been on YouTube since September of 2014 with the type of content that I make and the business plan that I built around my content and what it is that I do on YouTube, all of that generates income, right? My channel, it produces income. So because of that, I am fortunate to be able to reach out to other people and have them help me with what it is that I do. Now, if I was just making content that I wasn't able to monetize in this particular way to where it wasn't producing as much, then in that particular case, you know, I'm, I might not have hired an editor, right? If I was just reliant on ads and let's say I was just reliant on ads and I wasn't doing anything else and my videos were doing okay, but it was just adding extra money or it was just enough for me to live off of, but it wasn't enough for me to hire people to help in that situation, then I would just keep doing it myself. And in addition to that, I edited videos myself all the way up until about a year ago or maybe even nine months ago. And that's for two reasons. One, I enjoy the editing process. And two, I just couldn't let it go. And it wasn't just because I enjoyed the editing process that I couldn't let it go. It was more about my ego, I think, in terms of saying, I don't think somebody can edit my videos like I do. And the funny thing is, as soon as I let go of that and I did 
pass it off. I mean, don't get me wrong. I went through a few different editors and everybody did a, a good job, but they weren't nailing it. But as soon as I found somebody that could nail it, Vigard is his name, actually. As soon as I found somebody that could nail it, he actually edits my videos better than I do in terms of like how the color looks. He's better with sound than I am. And he actually makes a better end product than I do. So because of that, you know, bringing on an editor has helped me in that regard too, just for making better content. Now, I don't get to do all the creative stuff that I would normally do if I was editing it. However, I get to make more videos and I get to focus on other things that help me help creators more like this podcast that you're listening to right now, for example. But in terms of how common it is, it really depends on the business model that you have around your channel. If you are somebody that is driving sales to things or you have tons of views and because of that you are able to get a lot of ad money from what it is that you're doing or you get a lot of sponsorships or brand deals with what it is that you're doing, then in that particular case, taking some of that money and putting it on an editor can help you make more content, help you make content faster, help you experiment with other social media platforms or just help you like chill out, right? Because part of being a content creator, you get stuck in that grind, so to speak, right? You get stuck in that grind of, constantly making content and constantly editing your content and constantly putting up your content and promoting your content. It's just this, this grind that happens. So when you can bring somebody on to help, it can really open you up in terms of time because that person's handling that job, which lets you be able to do other things to help move everything forward that you're working on. So to make this possible, to make it possible for you to hire an editor, what I recommend is that if you're making content for YouTube, that you don't rely on ads. Ads can make you a pile of money. But in order for them to make you a pile of money, you have to get a lot of views. And if you're not getting lots of views, and by lots of views, I mean, you know, hundreds of thousands of views per video that you put out there. If you're not getting lots of views, hundreds of thousands of views per video, or even millions or a million views per video to where you're thinking like, hey, this ad money, I'm just banking on this ad money. Then in that particular case, you need to find other ways to monetize. I really encourage you, if you're a content creator for YouTube, which I'm guessing you are, you wouldn't be listening to this. I really encourage you to find other ways to make money from your content. Like sit back and look at what it is that you're doing and think of what it is that you can offer because you don't want to be fully reliant on YouTube. You don't want to limit your potential right? Like if you're making content anyway, most content creators out there can add an additional income source to what it is that they're doing. If they just sit back and look at what it is that they're doing and try to think of what it is that they're offering people that can come in the form of brand deals or affiliate marketing, creating their own product to sell anything like that. I really encourage you to look at what you're doing and try to think if there's anything that you can do to also bring in more income so that you can hire an editor so that you can hire people to help you with different aspects of your YouTube business. Because when you're first starting out on YouTube, and I was the same way, when you're first starting out on YouTube, you're not necessarily thinking of it as, hey, this is a business, right? But in reality, the more you look at it as a business, the more you can turn it into a business. And the more that you can turn it into a business, the more ultimately it's going to end up generating for you on the back end because you're going to be approaching it with a business mind. You're still going to be adding whatever value that you add to your viewers, but you're going to be approaching the whole thing with a business mind instead of approaching it just with the mind of a content creator that's just putting up videos on YouTube and hoping they get views, right? So your whole entire approach is going to be different. But in terms of how common it is, I have a lot of YouTube friends that have editors. There's services out there like vidchops.com, for example, that 
work with content creators on like a monthly basis to where you pay like a certain amount of money to them. And then they will give you X amount of video edits per month. Um, I have a friend named Dan Norton and he also, I'm not 100% sure. I'll put a link to his service in the show notes of this episode. Cause I'm not 100% sure of the name of his service. Cause I just, you know, I'll hit him up if I want to talk about it. But, um, but I have a friend named Dan Norton who also offers video editing services in bulk. Um, his is more like social media clips though. It's not necessarily like full edits, but for that, uh, vid chops is a very reputable company in the YouTube space. And it is actually ran by a guy named Augie and Augie is a, has a large YouTube channel as well. So he gets it, so to speak in terms of, you know, how to put a good video together. So in terms of it being common, it is, but it's common for people that are approaching YouTube. Like it's a business, like it's something that they want to delegate those particular things so that they can focus on different aspects of their business. And a second part of your question is, what is the fastest way to acquire some editing skills? The fastest way in my to acquire editing skills is just to edit a lot. So watch videos on YouTube on whatever software it is that you use. Watch a lot of videos on YouTube on how to edit. Even if you are a proficient editor, it's very advantageous to watch other people edit because with all the different ways of doing things, you can really find ways to shortcut what it is that you're doing as well to make everything faster. But watch YouTube videos. And of course, just practice. The more you practice, the better you're going to get, the faster you're going to get, the better you're going to get at being able to identify things within your edits that you might not be able to identify right now if you're just getting started out, for example. Remember to rate this episode on your favorite podcast platform of choice. And if you know somebody who's trying to learn about YouTube and online video, please share this podcast with them. I'm trying to get it into as many ears as possible. And hopefully you learned something today as well. Thanks for having a coffee with me. Get show notes, resources, and more over at commentsovercoffee.com or grab yourself a refill and listen to another episode.